2, 5, and 10. Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Just Click Play episode of 2, 5, and 10. This is the Monday afternoon, March 21st, trade deadline episode. Benny, what up, baby? I'm feeling pretty good. I told you before we start, I'm like, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, not because the deadline was particularly active today um, in terms of big moves, but I thought my boys did well. And combine that with the weekend that we just had, I'm all in, baby. But oh, All in? Okay. Cup's coming home in. to New York. Okay. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm just all in on this team. On the team. All um, right. You know, you got to you got to clarify sometimes. That's all. <laughs> um but yeah, we can run through some of the trades that happened. I'm not going to go back far. I'm just going to do today. Like I'm not going to go back a week and run through shit. Um just some of the notable deals. Uh I think it's hilarious that the NHL still has a setup where it takes them almost 2 hours after the deadline to process trades because they have a phone system. Well, I know at 3.30, there were still like 33 pendings. Like, for example, this one just shot across the wire at 8.13 p.m. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings have received Nelson Nogier, Nogier, and the Winnipeg Jets have received Marcus Phillips, 8.13 p.m. <laughs> and I mean, how do you still have it where you have to call one number and report the deal, and then that number has to confirm the deal with both GMs and then they process the transaction in the NHL database versus just the trades done. Uh, that I don't know. I mean, I know the guy. We'll have to post it up on the page. There was um, so it was a Derek Roy trade when he was going. I think it was Vancouver to Dallas, and they had the guy on the phone and all the things that he goes through as to uh, so health insurance kicks in on this day. The dentistry goes on this stable, like just the guy has it down to a science that does it. But no, I agree with you. Having only one guy on the hotline there on the trade <laughs> deadline day, a little questionable. But I mean, that's, that's why right. all day I was waiting for the Rangers to make a move for their forward group. And it was like two o'clock, two fifteen, two thirty, and nothing. And I was like, I swear to God, if jury just sits on his ass here and it's just banking on. Rooney and Kako coming back, and that's his acquisition. He's an idiot. And then all at once, like at 3.01, cop, Tyler Mott, uh, they finally officially announced the Braun deal. They make the Merkley trade. I was like, okay, so it's just part of the backlog. But holy shit, I was getting nervous. I, I do like the Brawny deal. Yeah. Um, we'll get to my Rangers. I'll run through a few of the notable deals league-wide. Um, the Ducks acquired Evgeny Dadunov and a conditional second-round pick from Vegas for John Moore and Ryan Kessler. So basically clearing some cap space there uh, for Vegas, and that's how they're going to handle um, their cap crunch with Riley Smith and Eichel and hopefully Stone coming back uh, for a few-game tune-up before the playoffs start. Um, the Hurricanes traded for Max Domi. Um Ryan Carpenter, this is a sneaky ad for a fifth-round pick goes to Calgary. Pretty solid addition for their fourth line. Um, Dallas 
for some reason, is still thinking that they have a legitimate chance this year. Traded a fourth-round pick for Vlad Nemestnikov. I will say, the guy gets dealt every deadline. Every yep. deadline, Vlad Nemestnikov's going somewhere. <laughs> Foolproof. Um, the Oilers didn't add a goaltender, didn't add a defenseman, but they sure as hell added Derek Broussard. Hey, um, big dick Derek. Put him in there. Fourth-round pick in 2023. Um, Ricard Raquel goes to Pittsburgh. I think a very nice deal for both teams here. Pittsburgh gets their top six winger for Malkin since Kapanen wasn't working out there. Can I just um, say, Anaheim won the trade deadline by far. I mean, yeah, they added two first, three seconds, and like four third-round picks. Yeah, in the next it, draft. A-plus across the board. And I'm glad that they didn't buy into the hype of their first half. Like, Verbeek came in, clear eyes, and I was just like, we're not here yet, and maximize his pending UFAs. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. <laughs> but they get back Zach Aston Reese and uh, Dominique Simone, and then a prospect and a second-round pick for Raquel, who's a pending UFA. I think that's a very nice deal for Anaheim. Uh, Edmonton got, got Brett Kulak, nice deaf defenseman for a prospect and a conditional second-round pick. Um, Andrew Cogliano goes from San Jose to Colorado. Um, the Lightning got Riley Nash for future considerations. Um, Johan Larson goes to Washington. Uh, Artur- uh, sorry, Arturi Lekkinen goes to Calgary for Justin Barron and a second-round pick. So the thing that I noticed this year with trades is Sellers are more open to taking draft picks down a road. And that's usually like an NBA thing of like the Knicks traded uh, so-and-so for a top 10 protected 2027 first round pick. And it's like, we have to wait five fucking years. Um, but like in this Lekkanen trade, second round pick in 2024. So three drafts away. Um the Blues needed defensive help, and they traded for Nick Letty. Not sure that helps them there. Um, I'm purposely skipping the Bruins and Rangers in this rundown. Um, the Wild got Marc-Andre Fleury for a conditional first-round pick in 2022. Great trade for both teams. Reuniting with Billy G there. I think uh, yep. Billy G is all in. And they had to do something. Their goaltending was holding them back. And I love Talbot, but he's been cratering uh, since the All-Star break. Uh, they then flipped back a goaltender Capo Kakinen to San Jose for a fifth round pick and Jacob Middleton. So nice little third, sixth, seventh defensive addition there. Um, and uh, Marcus Johansson goes to Washington for a fourth and sixth round pick and Daniel Sprong. Uh, yeah, that's it for today. I mean, Mason Appleton went back to uh, Winnipeg from Seattle. Uh, Seattle also sold on uh, Jeremy Lawson going to Nashville. The Lightning got Nick Paul. Giordano and Blackwell go to Toronto from Seattle. Um, Toronto also traded Travis Dermott for a third-round pick. We'll get into the Bruins and the Rangers very shortly here. But out of these trades, which one do you like the most? Or which ones do you just want to get into about the dynamic of what the deal means for both teams? Uh, I I mean, I guess both teams. Hold on. If we're going both teams, I really like 
and this is just my own personal, I like the Blackhawks and Flurry. I just think that the Blackhawks need as much draft capital as they can get. Uh, I'm also very surprised, though, too, um, with the Blackhawks. After sending Brandon Hagel to Tampa, we can touch on that after. I know we were just mm-hmm. talking about today. But when Taves comes out and he goes, you know, that's a guy I thought we were going to build around. No one feels safe here. I expected a lot more movement from them uh, yeah. and just future consideration. But as for... Like they kept a Han. It, yeah, like I just figured that they'd be shipping out a lot more. But um, yeah, getting the conditional first in hopes of it... Well, it, it's a second in hopes of it being a first. I mean, Minnesota's a sneaky team. And I mean, you give them a goalie like Flurry, I, I think they could make a run. So I think for both sides that works out. Another team that I thought that did really well was Seattle. Another team that they dealt a lot of their guys, but at the same time, getting draft capital, getting younger players to you know exist a little bit longer. I thought they had a good uh, trade deadline as well. The thing with Seattle is they Francis pretty much ran the expansion draft right down the middle. No side deals, no trades doesn't field as competitive competitive of a team as some thought that they would be able to field. Goes into this deadline, yeah, he got a couple picks back. Like I think he did well in a Giordano trade, but mostly picks. And if I'm in Seattle and you're trying to build something, there's just not a lot of like giddy up and go here. It just seems like they're also punting on next season too in terms of trying to be competitive for a playoff spot. I think part of it, and I mean, I don't want to assume, but I mean, do you think they're losing for Shane Wright? And, you know, you come in, you get the number one overall pick, you can get Shane Wright if you win the lottery. And then on top of it, you have all these other drafts. Because now you have the pieces, right? So if you look at it from this point of view for this year, you can just have all of these trade chips and for what everyone went for this year, especially at the deadline, there were a lot more second round picks being thrown out. Yep, Not as many first, not as many first. So with that, I mean, if that's going to be going great for what it is for the future, I mean, shit that they have built up over the next thing. I'm just waiting for this to load. I was going to pull up all their draft picks over the next couple of years. Like they just stockpiled everything. Yeah, so they can use, combine a few of those to trade for some NHL talent that might be on their way out somewhere else. Well, okay, so for example, this year alone in the second round, they have four picks. In the, the fourth round this year, they have three picks. Next year in the second, they have three picks. Round three next year, two picks. Round four next year, three picks. Round six, two picks. But it's like they're two and four are stacked. I bet if I'm a betting man, I bet you at the NHL draft because of what the Bruins had pushed away. I bet you Jake DeBrusque goes to the Kraken for a second round pick. Cause we don't have one. That's not bad. And he, he just signed that extension for less than what his uh, qualifying would have been. Yeah, exactly. Um, Overall, for me, I'm sorry if you hear me chewing. I'm drinking some boba. Oh, boba. Um, 
that's mm-hmm. the that's like the Asian tea, right? Or drink yeah, that has like the, the balls. With the, the black pearls on the bottom. Black pearls, all right. Yeah. Um, Phil Kessel still in the desert. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. is Chikram. Yeah, I mean his injury kind of ruined that for them, but Kessel, I mean. I just want him to make a, one more run, you know. <laughs> like it's just not—it's always good seeing Kessel in, deep in, in a playoff run. I know his value isn't super high anymore, but if you're a team that—I mean, if you, you have to find a team that's the opposite of the Rangers, meaning good at five on five, can't score for shit on a power play, and you—you could have made a move for Kessel, stuck him on your third line, and then first power play unit. I feel like. In a playoffs, special teams is what wins a lot of series, and having kind of a ace in the hole of Phil Kessel on your first or even your second power play unit might have been helpful for a mid-round pick. I'm surprised nobody kind of ponied up there, like in Minnesota, just adding them to the mix. Um, the Islanders, nothing, not training anybody, and then signing Clutterbuck and Parisi to extensions. Um, I mean, I. I guess I respect the faith that Lou has in his roster, but fuck, man. Um, and the last confusing thing for me was, I guess, too confusing. Vancouver, I don't blame them for not selling on JT Miller. I think because he has one year left on his deal, um, you can trade him at the draft. You can trade him next deadline and still get a return for him. Or I don't think Vancouver is trying to rebuild. So you still keep one of your top forwards and you run it back next fall, make some adjustments to the roster over the summer and then see what happens. So I'm not as hard on them for not trading Miller as some others are, but you got to trade Besser. Like you got to move him. Like he's not there long-term. I know he's homegrown, but he's not fitting. I I think he moves over the summer. So you got to get him out of there. And the same thing with Klingberg in Dallas. He's not re-signing in Dallas. And I know you guys are competing for a playoff spot, and uh, he's going to out with his fucking mono. But you got to move Klingberg. And when you see that uh, Giordano fetched what he did, Klingberg would have doubled that return. Oh, easy. Easy. So I don't know. I mean, you have a little bit of an aging roster if you're in Dallas. I know they have a good couple of young guys. Um, Ottinger looks... Uh, solid and goal, but what's the plan for post Jamie Ben and Joe Pavelski? You know what I mean? I don't see anybody in a pipeline that's going to take on that large of a role and maximizing the return for Klingberg could have helped there. And the last thing we always harp on this, we always joke about it. When is Edmonton going to try and win a Stanley Cup when they have two of the top five players in the world in a roster at the same time? Uh, like, not not this year. Like I love Broussard. You know that. Oh yeah, but, but no, he's not solving all your problems. Like he yeah, helps, Mark but Black like is a third pair defenseman, and you still are running out your goaltending tandem. Yeah, well, well, this is this is how fucked up Edmonton is, though, right? So uh, before Smitty won three games in a row, they yeah. they needed defense and they needed goaltending. They rattle off three wins, and now they're all set there. They don't need any help. Yeah. <laughs> So like, oh, okay, great, gay, and, good for you guys. And Kenny Holland isn't an idiot, obviously. Like he kind of knows what he's doing. But Flurry, I don't know if he would have had interest in going to Edmonton. I mean, he had interest in going to Minnesota. Minnesota 
is kind of right around the same position as Edmonton in the playoff race. But if Minnesota is giving a conditional first, you give them a, you, your first if you're Edmonton. And you get Flurry and goal for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and try and make a fucking run. Like, I don't understand what the plan for them was, except to, like you said, they went on a little winning streak. And they're like, oh, okay, maybe we're solid and we're going to turn in a corner. There's no corner. You are who you are at this point. Yeah, so, agreed. I this is a team we've talked about all year. Like, yes, yeah. like you need the defense. They need it. It's crucial. And Cody CC, my man. <laughs> um, I agree with you, Minnesota. I liked what they did. Uh, you can do a hell of a lot worse than Cam Talbot as your backup goaltender in case something goes wrong with Flurry. Um, Zuccarello was having a career year. I like that. Um. They got a second rounder back in the McBain trade from Arizona, which kind of helps nullify the loss of the draft pick with the flurry deal. I think I tell you what, though, that McBain's going to be a good player. Arizona did pretty good. Yeah. And we said this before the season started. I was pretty high in Minnesota. You weren't as bullish on him, but I was saying all along, if they get their goaltending figured out, they're at least a wild card team. And, they proved that this year. If they have goaltending, they had such a good first half because Talbot played well. They're having a bad second half because Talbot's not playing well. Now you bring in a flurry. If flurry is who he is, they're going to be a very difficult out in that first second round uh, in that bracket. Oh, agreed. I, I think that changes the whole perception of who you're playing. Yeah. And the obvious winner is Florida. They had Giroux. Um, they had Sherratt. Even though I thought they overpaid for a shot, um, Ekblad is on IR, so it never hurt to have enough defensemen. Tampa Bay, I know you wanted to get into the Hagel deal, but I really sneakily like that Nick Paul trade. Oh, the, I I like the Nick Paul trade too. Like I think Ottawa was another team very active. Yeah, I thought they did well. Um, and then Colorado, they wanted. Desperately, they get Claude Giroux. <laughs> they didn't get him, but the nice additions around the the margins here. Josh Manson, when healthy, fits well into his top four. Probably going to play with Gerard. Nico Stern brings a little bit of a different element to their bottom six uh, than Yost did. And then I also like the, the Lekkonen deal because for most teams, he'd be playing in their top six and being like the Jesper Faust kind of like Swiss Army knife roll. Colorado is doing that on a third, maybe even their fourth line. So I think that helps add some mismatch form um, when you get into the playoffs, especially in the first round. And yeah, the Nick Paul deal we can get into. What did you think of the Hagel return? What they gave up to get him? So the Hagel return, I thought they gave up a lot. And yeah. that's just... My personal opinion, I mean, I understand you're getting a player that is under contract for a little bit, a little while, so maybe that makes it go a different way for you. But I mean, 2023 first, 2024 first, uh, two prospects. Like, I listen, I get Tampa is in a win now mode, but like, you still have to draft. Like, like you still have to prepare for the future. 
So to me, I was like, I thought it was a very big overpay. Um, I mean, the thing is, this Hagel is pretty much your deadline acquisition for this year and next year. Because yeah, has to be. Next year, you don't have the assets to make a big splash anymore. So like, this is your roster for next year as well. Can, can I just say something about the Giroux deal? And you can call me an asshole. Like, like I don't care. Like, I understand Claude Giroux played a thousand games for uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, and I understand yeah. that, um, you know, he had a no movement clause and he could go where he wanted. Like, I, I get that as well. But for a guy who was proclaimed as being, you know, as much as he could for the team and everything else, he nixes a trade to the Bruins, nixes and a trade and the Rangers. And then finally put it down to Colorado or Florida. And then he said, all right, I'm going to Florida. And I just think about it on the other end where, you know, as a GM and as an owner, you have a lot of respect for that guy. But on the other end, you just want to be like. You just took away all the leverage. (laughs) Yeah. Like just for what other people went for. Claude Giroux went for, you know, Owen Tippett, who is a top prospect, a first round and a third round pick. But the first round's not till 2024. Yeah. Like that, that kind of pushes you out of the water. And then you had to send over two of your prospects as well. Like Florida kind of had you over the barrel a little bit. And Tippett hasn't really proven shit in NHL in like two years now. No, agree. I mean, he was in the AHL when they made the trade. So yeah. like, it, it's just one of those things, man. It was like, fuck man. Like I understand there's a respect factor too there, but you think at the same time, you know, I personally feel that every team in the East that is currently in the playoffs outside of Washington, got better. Now, with that... You don't think Marcus Johansson is going to win the Stanley Cup? (laughs) I I, I didn't say that. I just said that I I think everybody else has gotten better. Now, you think Giroux, I mean, if you ended up with the Rangers, that's not a fucking bad place to be. If you ended up in Boston... it's just a division rival. Yeah. Maybe, but it's just one of those things that, like, you'd think that if there was that much of mutual respect there, he would have turned to you and said, who gave you the best deal? Yeah. I mean, if Eric Lindros can play for Rangers, Claude Drew can play for Rangers. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I was just a little blown away with it just for what other people were fucking getting, and that's all they could get for him. It was like, you kind of handcuffed your guys there. Yeah, agreed. And... Who knows? Maybe he signs back in Philly in the offseason, and then everybody lives happily ever after. Uh, can, can I say one other a big pickup? Uh, Might have went under the radar with all the other ones that went on. Uh, the Flames picking up Cali Yarncroak. I, I thought that's mm. huge for them. And they, once they got the Toffoli deal, they basically. I'm surprised they didn't make a move for a defenseman, to be honest. Like a legit top four guy. Um, but. After the Toffoli deal, they basically made two or three trades to be like, okay, our third and fourth lines need to beef it up a little bit. I like the Yarncroak deal too. He's probably going to play center because Monaghan hasn't been – I don't know what happened to that kid. It fell off big time. Yeah. Um, so he'll slide in as 3C probably. But Calgary, man, I know you were high on him to start the year, but when you look at all the – the metrics, they're basically the third best team in the entire league this year behind Tampa and Florida. They're uh, they're a team that 
you know, I, I know you hate the Kachuk, so we don't need to talk about no. them. But but they're a team that just goes and gets it done. And to me, the biggest wild card here is Daryl Sutter. Like, Daryl Sutter has been the guy that he has come in uh, just in general. And he he's a guy, in, in th- this sounds weird, but in the way that he commands respect from people, even though you don't even know he's commanding it. You, you know, yeah. it's just like... One of those awkward things, but I mean, just they take off. I mean, six, two, and two in their last ten. They've been playing really good hockey. Like, and you know, we've talked about the structure there, where you know they might be overpaying. Like this year into next year, this team's probably going to look completely different due to how strapped they are on the salary cap. So I, I think for them, this year was crucial to be all in. And I think the addition that they made in Yarn Croak. They brought into Foley a lot earlier. I think it's going to help them a lot. I just think that it's one of those things that they're legitimately. I'd be scared if I pulled Calgary first round. Uh, I would. Oh yeah. I I really, really want to see a Calgary Colorado conference final. And it, just for humor, right? I, I did think it was funny when uh, Daryl Sutter said that the other day. He goes, "I went into the locker room and I told the guys, you don't want to be.'" a wild card team here because you're going to play Colorado and it's going to be a long eight days for you in April. How about Vegas? You might miss the playoffs. I I do feel bad for Vegas though. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries this year. And I mean, not that they haven't in the past, but, but this year it just seemed like it was one after the other, after the other, bringing Eichel in hopes that uh, Pacioretty was out. And it's like, if they just could knock it out of the funk and then they can activate, Eichel and then Stone goes to IR. It was like these guys just can't. They're just in one. Just can't catch a break. <laughs> um, unless there was anything else league wide that you wanted to chime in on, I think we can discuss the deadline period that the Bruins and Rangers just had. Um, I mean, your guys made the biggest headline move trading for uh, Lindholm. But then they turn around and give him an eight-year deal. <laughs> yeah, I was very happy with the trade. I was not happy with the extension. Yeah, uh, they got out of John Moore's deal, uh, which helps. But then they end up keeping DeBrusque, who I know you couldn't just trade him for a prospect or a pick because due to injuries and play, he's basically playing top six role for you again, playing pretty solidly. Yeah, he's right now um, he's their first-line right winger. Yeah, so you can't just move him for nothing. But as you mentioned earlier, he signed a two-year, $4 million a year deal, uh, which pretty much puts cost certainty into play for a trade over the summer. Um, What do you think about everything the Bruins did and didn't do? And how do you feel now for a playoff push uh, and run compared to how you felt maybe a month ago? I mean, as for failing, I, I do feel a little bit better. We did we did need a top four defenseman. Uh, Lindholm's a good player. Like, like there's no question about that. Uh, nice, quick passes, controls the puck well. Bigger guy for a Swede. Uh, as for the first round draft pick, that's probably the compensation for Lindholm. Uh, the second round pick is probably taking John Moore contract on. And then, you know, they also get another second rounder in 24. 
And then they get Yero Vakaninen, and Vak's been all right for us. Uh, hasn't really bloomed completely, but he's also battled some injuries lately. And I think that was one thing going into it where he didn't really stick out completely, right? Like he was he was in in the thrash with everyone, but I mean he wasn't like well, you know, I I think Vak got it today. It was just one of those guys yeah. where he ne- he never really blossomed or bloomed into anything fantastic. I mean. I do think he's going to go to Anaheim and get a, a better chance to play just because I think that's always been one of our things here, at least the last 15 years is our lineup is basically set and, and it does make it difficult for younger guys to come in and crack the lineup. Yeah. He'll, he'll look, get plenty of opportunity playing a left side with uh, Zegras next season. Yeah. So uh, as for Lindholm, I don't know if he's going to play, left side with McAvoy or if they're going to go Mac and Grizz and then Lindholm and Carlo. Uh, I do that. I wouldn't break. I like Grizz and Carl, uh, Grizz and McAvoy together. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I'm just worried on the other end that if, if Lindholm's jumping into too many plays, is Carlo going to be able to be there and, and break it up solo. So that's just kind of my own mental thinking. So I, I'd have to see it for a couple of games to see how they, work out. I, I don't watch enough uh, Anaheim games to, to be the judge of that currently. Um, yeah, Lindholm, it, it will help that he's playing for a better team and a better system. But I think he's been living off his early career reputation for like three years now. Yeah, I just, listen, I understand um, we gave up a lot and obviously there must have it's been talks. extension that kills it. Yeah, I was going to say eight years is too much for me. I mean, he, he's already 29 years old. Like, so, so now you're going into it. You're going to be getting out of this when he's 37. And to me, that's two years too many. I, I would have went six. I would have been happy with six. Um, that's the thing I don't get with the league is if they put into place the max term lengths because they're trying to eliminate the, you know, the 13-year deals to lower the cap hit. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that any time you're signing a free agent or signing an extension, it needs to be eight years. No, you don't have to go the max. No. Like Lindholm is not an eight year deal guy. Just because it's available and he wants it doesn't mean like, yeah, you know, when he was, you know, when he was an eight year decision, he was an eight year guy eight years ago. Yeah. Let some other team make that bad decision. Like we're, we'll give you five, seven million a year. A little bit more than what he got on his deal for five years, and if he doesn't want it, let him be a mistake somewhere else. Yeah, like like I was, I would have been fine with six, but they went seven, and I just, uh, I'm sorry, they went eight. I I thought eight was just way too much here. Like, yeah, I, I just I thought you got like... to overpay it on a deal. I know it's nice getting rid of Moore's deal, and the second round or 2024 is basically who gives you shit at that point because Bergeron's probably not around anymore. A guy's going to be starting a tough rebuild by then. Um, but I don't know. I think Lindholm at this point is a nice number four guy, which maybe that's all you guys really need to push guys like Riley and Fort Worth down to the third pair. But to give up a, fir- a, a solid top six defenseman, a first-round pick, two second-rounders, and then an eight-year deal on top of it, 
we always got on Sweeney for not making the big move, and then when he finally does, he does it at the wrong time for the wrong player. Yeah, I just like <laughs> you, you hear all the people in Boston, like all, all the talk radio, and they, and they're going about like how great of a move it was, and I'm like, you know what? I don't mind paying the first. That that, that was probably the going rate for the big fish there. Yeah. You know, the, the, the two Especially seconds. After the deal. The, yeah, you know, the, the two seconds or whatever, it was just like, I just don't like the extension for the amount of time. Like, like I'm okay with the deal. It's just the other part. Now, yeah. we go into and today. Oh, you can no go. forward edition. Yeah, that, that was the part that killed me. So we also send out Zach Senishin to Ottawa, and we bring in Josh Brown, a defenseman who, I, I mean, this guy's a meat, right? The, the, this yeah. is going to be the slugger. Well, the, the only problem is, is like, so after we have our top four, then it's Forbert, Riley, Clifton, and then Brown. And I feel like Brown's going to be used as a guy to kind of be in and out of a lineup uh, if we need him on certain nights. And, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to a guy like you. You guys have Revo as your heavyweight. And for the most part, he plays almost every night. So he's yeah. at least in the flesh. And I just don't know. As to what their plan is here with Brown, is he only going to be called up on certain nights? Is he going to be, you know, battling in there? Because now you're going to have, you know, Clifton's been playing good hockey as of late. Forbert is Forbert. He's going to kill a whole bunch of penalties for you in log minutes, but I mean, you're not really going to notice them. And Riley is either really, like, he's either having a really good night or a really bad night. There's just <laughs> been no in between. But no, as for the other part, you're right. We really needed a forward addition, and we did not get it. And I, I think that hurts us. We had the extension earlier of uh, DeBrusque, and I think that we were all thinking, like, okay, now things are going to start rolling here. DeBrusque is locked up. Uh, we're going to trade him for something. And it just never came along. And I think that was one of the, the biggest, like, the killing points, at least to us, where you're like, fuck, man, like, I understand he's playing good hockey, but at the same time, you're kind of like, we, we really, really <laughs> yeah, you know, like, we, we really needed more. So, I thought Bo- uh, Besser was heading to you guys. Like, I thought something about the player, it's just like, I, I can see him uh, playing top six for you guys. I know you probably need a 2C more than another winger. But I just to make no additions up front. I think for this year is worse than slightly overpaying in a deal for Lindholm. Oh, dude, I, I agree because the, that has been the, those have been our two biggest things. We needed to add a defenseman, which we did, but we also needed help up front. And now, is this because you know our second line is playing really good hockey right now? So. Was it hard to say, okay, we're going to bring in a 2C, but then where do we fit in Eric Halla? Because we weren't going to touch this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like we, we weren't going to touch the third line. I feel like the 11, 12, 13 line's playing really good. The fourth line since Felino and Lazar have come back have looked really good. So it only seemed like up top, the only person that was going to go anywhere, at least right now, would have been DeBrusque or Halla to bring in someone in return. And. I just, I don't know if it just didn't come about or they just deemed that they were in a better spot there. So whatever it is, we'll see what happens. I do know that when Don Sweeney did come out and talk this afternoon, uh, 
our top prospect did come up of Fabian Lizell, and he was saying that he believes that once the WHL season comes out, um, he's going to come play with the Bruins. He said, we think that he can jump in currently with either Providence or the big club. So, okay. so I think, who knows, maybe that is, you know, the, the ace in the hole, but uh, yet to yeah, be seen. Of a Crider back in the day. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's what it is. So maybe that's our ace in the hole, but, you know, we haven't seen it yet. I do know he is having a great junior year out in the Western Hockey League. I mean, this is the kid's first year over here from Sweden, coming to the smaller ice surface, dominating out there in Vancouver. And, I mean, if then if he can come over and step right into the NHL or the AHL playoffs and make substantial noise, I mean, I think this kid will – you know, suit into the lineup somewhere next year. So, and the Brown discussion reminded me of an interesting uh, take. When the Rangers didn't make that trade for Ryan Reeves, they immediately gave him a one-year extension. So he was going to be UFA at the end of this year. They signed him to a one-year extension, and behind the scenes, they said the reason why they did that was it would be hard to expect a guy to want to risk his body to protect his teammates when an organization isn't committing to him. So that's why they gave him that one-year extension. And that brings me back to Brown, where if he's in and out of the lineup, he's not guaranteed a spot every night or even for next season. Just how willing – again, he's not a goon either. But how willing is he going to be to be like, anytime Bergeron is – slighted is he going to really jump in and drop the gloves because he's committed to it or is he going to be like yeah yeah take away a little bit of his bite again yeah i I don't know but for the rangers a little bit of a different mentality here love the moves i know they're getting beat up a little bit here in the New York media for not making a big splash trade like for a JT Miller. That's fine by me. We don't need another star player. And that's something that you and I were talking about with the preview for the deadline. The Rangers just needed to increase their versatility for their bottom six. Because for most of the season, we've been playing Tim Gettinger, Greg McCraig, Dryden Hunt, sometimes on a, t- on a line with Panarin. Uh, Kevin Rooney, who's fine. Uh, Julian Gauthier and Ryan Reeves, all at the same time. And that's not a competitive bottom six at all. And I love Revo, but he's not. he shouldn't be playing every night. So I know they were linked to Miller. They made a trade tried to make a move for Giroux, which was probably Drury's like, fuck it, let's see what happens. Once that didn't work out, the tension shifted from that to, we're good on a power play, we're, we're great on a power play, we're good on a PK, we have a goalie having one of the best years in NHL history, he's 939 save percentage. We just need to get some more horses for the bottom six. And they end up trading for Andrew Kopp, uh, Tyler Mott, um, Justin Braun for the back end, 
um, on top of the Frankfurt Toronto deal with Florida. And that pushes out Gauthier, McKeg, uh, Hunt, and Reeves, and Rooney. So now you have basically 10 guys for six spots, which is fine by me. Um, and it increases the versatility. Do we play Rooney or do we put uh, Mott at center and then have Hunt on the left wing? Or do we put Mott at left wing and Rooney at center? Cobb can play the 3C role in case they want to move Heedle to the wing. Or it can put Cop on a wing in a top six. When Kako comes back, does he slide to the left side? So Vitrano can play both wings. He can play third line or second line. So I think the Rangers really increased their versatility here and their options for Gallant to fill out his roster. Um, say that, a little, that cop is such a huge addition. I love, I love that trade. And the big thing for us is we didn't trade a first round pick. We didn't trade Kraftsoff or Lundqvist or any of our top prospects. The only body we traded was Morgan Barron, who I like. I think he's going to have a very solid career, but he's a fourth liner, fourth line center. Like that's his career. Um, so we basically kept our first round pick this year and next year and our top prospects and we filled in some holes and they're all pending UFA. So once Anna Fox's deal kicks in for next season and we lose some roster flexibility, we don't have to worry about fitting people in. Cop also is insurance in case Strom signs elsewhere. So if Strom doesn't want to sign for what we need him to sign for, then we'll keep Cop and slide him up to 2C, which I don't want to do, but it's at least insurance. So for me, the reason why I'm so excited, besides the versatility and everything, keeping our assets, this past weekend was uh, make or break weekend in my mind for the Rangers as a contender. They played back-to-back nights against Tampa Bay and Tampa and Carolina and Carolina, and they came out 2-0. and And I know they kind of got their heads caved in in puck possession time against Carolina. But they found a way to win. And in Tampa Bay on national TV, they not only came back and won again, which I think they lead the league still in comeback wins and one goal games, but the mentality of the team and the difference in mentality really showed in the sense of you go toe-to-toe with Tampa Bay, uh, Patty Maroon kind of half runs, bumps into Shusterk, and Lingren goes right in, and then the next shift Reeves squares up and fights uh, Maruna center ice. But late in the game, the Rangers have a power play. We sent their 0 for 5 during the game. Look like absolute horse shit. They send out the first power play unit. They look like shit again. There's a whistle. They go for a change. Second unit goes out. 10 seconds later, there's another whistle. Without even asking Gallant, uh, Mika stands up. And then just hops over the boards and tells the first unit, let's fucking go. And makes the change himself and then scores the fucking game-winning goal with 16 seconds left. And when he scores the goal, he looks at the Rangers bench, basically saying, like, let's fucking go. And so when he scored that goal and I saw him looking at the bench, my fucking dick went through the ceiling, man. <laughs> like, I was like, this the mentality around the team. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that they're going to go to a conference final. I think they have a chance to make a little bit of a run here. It's just really nice having a team that you aren't just rooting for because you're 
they're your favorite team, but you're rooting for because you just like rooting for the guys. And that doesn't happen very often. And it's just nice to have that experience back in with the Rangers and to follow up that big weekend against Tampa Bay and Carolina by adding Cop, Mott, add Braun. Now that pushes Nemeth to the seventh D. Now you have Braun and his steady hand on the third pair with Schneider. I mean, I'll go up against anybody. Might not win, but we're not going to get fucking run out of the building. And for a Rangers team that started a full teardown three years ago, to be in this spot, like, I think everything's gravy at this point. I like the moves. Now, obviously, like you said, you you got 10 guys competing for six spots, which I think is, I think it's healthy. I mean, it's good to have competition, right? Now, do you think Gallant is going to have a hard time filling out this roster in the sense of loyalty to his current players? Because they always say that Gallant is a player's coach. Yeah, he's very much the, I'm going to ride, I'm going to, Ride the horses that brought me. So, obviously, Cop is going to have a lineup spot. I think he's going to start out next to Panarin and Strom, which will bump Vertrano down to the third line. Um, but when it comes to Mott, I think he's just going to be competing for a spot. I don't think just because he got traded for, he's guaranteed anything. Um, especially once Rooney comes back, who's apparently two weeks away from coming back. I think Rooney... He's not going to lose his job from injury. I think he's, if he comes back and he's not playing well, I'll seal the deal, make him a scratch. But I think Gallant is basically going to just put in whoever is playing well, working the hardest, and the line's working well. But I think he's he's always going to have a preference for the guys who were there since training camp because they've been through it with him. So I don't think anything is guaranteed. But yeah, I that's... Like you said, he's a player's coach. I love that about Gallant. Like he's almost stubbornly loyal to the guys, even when it's not working. Like how it was a lot for Aaron Cockrell. Like he's just, I'm playing this guy. Same thing with Nemeth. He's not, he doesn't have great nights, but like Gallant said to the media, media, this fucker shows up and works. And I think that's what Gallant values the most. Hey, I mean, as a coach, right? That, that has to be one of your other things. Like you, you know, not everyone's going to be. Amika, right? But as no. long as they're showing up every day and working, I don't know how you can be mad. And the funny thing is, they had the press conference. Well, not press conference. I guess a conference call at the media after the deadline and talk about some of the moves. And one of the reporters asked Jury and Gallant about Georgia because there's a lot of rumors about him being on a move. He had a great game last night against Carolina. Got the shutout. Um, he's still with the team. They didn't make a move for another backup goaltender. And they asked the question around, um, did you guys not move Georgiev because you didn't have faith in Keith Kincaid being a backup? And in case something happened to Shesterkin, having her go with Kincaid. And Gallant's response was to quote, uh, borrow a quote from an old football coach. If Shesterkin goes down, we're fucked and we don't practice fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he's so basically saying if Igor goes down it doesn't matter anyway so like it doesn't matter who's back up <laughs> i mean is that like one worrisome part for you that regardless of the additions and everything else it just feels that 
this ship is only going as far as Igor takes it. And he's one fucking groin strain away from the yeah, ship I mean, com coming down. This is basically Hank all over again, to be honest. And this team is... The 24 team, 2014 team is better than this team overall, right? But outside of that one year or two, Hank, if Hank went down, the Rangers were screwed. Hank had a bad game, the Rangers were screwed. And that's where we're, we're at with Igor right now. Although the good thing is that game against Dallas, he gave up. So he got pulled out of the game then uh, the game before, got run out of the game. His very next start against Dallas, he gives up three goals on four shots. And I texted you, and I was just like, Rangers need to make a move. We're spiraling here. And the boys rallied around them. They came back. They won that game 7-4. So Hank, uh, Igor's been bailing them out so much this year that I even said to myself, all right, guys, like he's bailed you out. Time to cover his ass for a little bit. And when he did it, like – Again, it's an intangible thing, but it's just something about the mentality of the team this year where it's like it's different than it was under Quinn. And that's kind of what I always harped on. Like I say this almost every week now. If one thing went wrong, the team mentality was, oh, boy, here we go. Now if one thing goes wrong, they go, all right, fucking let's end it right here. And that gets you – it's intangible. That gets you pretty far when you're in a seven-game series. It's hard for fought. You're in overtime. You're, the other team's tired, but you have that mentality. So, yeah. I mean, if Igor goes down, we're screwed. But I feel like that goes for a lot of teams. If Swayman goes down, I, Omar's better than Georgia, but you guys are kind of screwed there. Um, I would say if Kemper goes down, but he's not that great in Colorado. But if Markstrom goes down in Calgary, they're screwed. Oh, so, yeah, they're screwed if Markstrom goes um, down. But, yeah. So... And I like that we made some moves here because to expect to have your goalie have this type of season every year is extremely unrealistic. So even if he has a great year next year, it's a downgrade. So you might as well run with the hot hand, see how far he can carry you, add some versatile players. Have your, We have the second-ranked power play and the eighth-ranked PK in the league with a Vesner goalie who's up for the MVP. And then you have a 40-goal score, Panarin on your second line, and now you have guys like Vitrano, Coppermott in your bottom six. Might as well fucking go and see what happens. Give it a go. All right. Yeah. So a little bit of a different mentality because you guys have won the Stanley Cup. You've been to the Stanley Cup final. You're perennial contenders, and now you guys are, like, adding around the edges, being like, oh, man, I wish we added a forward here, but uh, we didn't do so. Me, I'm like, holy shit. We're doing so good. You're like, there's a chance. <laughs> we had we added fucking Tyler Mod. Holy shit! <laughs> but that's what happens when you have to watch the fourth line of fucking Johnny Brodzinski, Greg McKeg, and Tim Gettinger for a few nights a year. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I I love the mentality of the team, and even if they lose in their first rounds, like it's just a joy room for this team this year. All right. Well, where do we go to next? Um, we can do actually really quick hits if you don't mind. Uh, they did announce that 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship is going to be restarted uh, in August. Edmonton is going to host that, so I know they basically shut it down because of the surge that they were having and the community spread. 
uh, earlier, well, late last year. So now they're going to reschedule that for August. Um, and I don't know if you had the chance to read the article in the Athletic about the Coyotes Arena situation. I did this not. Castle. So they asked a couple players about their plan to play at Arizona State's uh, hockey arena, even though the Tempe plan hasn't been approved yet. So there's still no guarantee that they're going to get a new arena there. And the players and the agents were basically bitching about a 5,000-seat arena is fucking up hockey-related revenue, which keeps the cap down, which keeps player salaries down. Uh, They were complaining about season ticket holders because most of the seating at this arena are going to be benches, which is what we talked about. Like, how do you how do you ticket for a bench for an NHL team? And then the last thing they said was one of the current players on a team who has told the team he would like to be moved as soon as possible said every t- other team in a league when they come here is going to fucking laugh at us. And that quote right there basically is worse than anything else the Coyotes organization can have going for them right now. I know they're in another rebuild and everything else, but to have your own team be ashamed to show up to work, how do you expect to be competitive? Well, I was going to say, you're not going to sign anybody. Like, not yeah, even not how much money anybody. you throw at them. Yeah, you're not going to sign anybody. Um, as soon as the guys' contracts are up, they're gone. And... You're trying to build a culture. I know Armstrong is there trying to build a culture. How do you do so when your own team's like, yeah, like you have friends in all the teams. Like if I was playing for the Coyotes and you showed up, you think I'd be like, dude, come check out the practice facility. Or like when we see each other at the arena for the game, be like, huh, what do you think? It's going to be like, yeah, this is where I fucking play. It's almost like having a really shitty apartment yeah with like like six roommates and then inviting your friend over who owns a mansion you should be like hey you guys should come visit and then when it is gonna happen like nah you really don't have to yeah oh sorry something popped up but it's like i don't know this is i don't want to go into too deep about it but they need to move like i don't and tempe isn't guaranteed because the city council said not only were you guys evicted out of Glendale essentially because you owe too much money, but their minor league team is on a payment plan for their arena lease. So like, why would we enter into a a deal with you to build an arena knowing your reputation of not paying anything back? Why should we give you tax money for this? So the city council in Tempe doesn't sound like they're all too keen on agreeing to an arena deal with the Coyotes then. And if that happened, apparently the vote is in late April. If they vote no, then what? I mean, if they vote no, you're stuck into at least ASU's arena for next year. Yeah. But at some point, I mean. Unless they immediately go to Quebec. Uh, th- that's probably the only other alternative. And. Like I said, I mean, I think them going to a 5,000 seat college arena is a joke. And yeah. you've, you've already put the points as to escrow and everything else along with the players and the players are paying for it. And how can you even attempt to run an organization when you don't even have your own arena? But, like, it, that's a joke. And Gary Bettman still trying to push this agenda is a joke. And him yeah, allowing them to go... It's a blind spot, to be honest. It's just... 
listen, maybe there was a, uh, someone overlooked the taxes, right? You know, someone fucked up not paying the taxes on time. Okay. But as for you can't make your lease payments or anything else, like, that's not taxes. Like, that's not someone the accountant forgot to pay the bill. That's, you can't even cover it. <laughs> like, ugly, 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 ugly. I don't like it. <laughs> yep. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that because that was a new article that came out where the player is like, it's embarrassing. They're going to laugh at us. I'm like, holy shit. Um, so anyway, we can move into game of the week, lock of the week picks, and then shout outs. Uh, do you want me to lead off here? No, 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 pal. I have my game of the week is Sunday, March 27th, 6 p.m. Eastern, Colorado at Minnesota. And as for my lock of the week, you will appreciate this. Let me scroll back up. I believe it is tomorrow uh-huh. night. I have tomorrow night, Tuesday, March 22nd, the New York Rangers at the New Jersey Devils, and I'm going with the New York Rangers. Oh, boy. Kiss of death. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so same night, Tuesday, March 22nd for me, my game of the week, Tampa Bay at Carolina. I saw that um, one, too. And my lock of the week it's the following night. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Wednesday, March 23rd, I'm going to Vancouver over Colorado in Colorado. Wow. Wow. A- a- after keeping most of the team intact, do you think they're going to show everybody up? I like it. Keeping a team, they all, they've also been playing a little bit better, and Colorado can't win every night. So I like taking every other week I rotate. Hard pick, easy pick, hard pick, easy pick. <laughs> well, I hope it works out for you, pal. <laughs> um, who do you got for shout-outs? So shout-outs this week. I got one to uh, our buddy, Mr. Murphy. He is actually at the Bruins-Montreal game currently. So hopefully the bees can pull one out for him as he is up north across the border. Um, <laughs> another shout-out, too, would be uh, Uncle Steve. Uncle Steve had surgery this week, but he is on the mend. He's feeling better. Uh, and one other shout-out, I have uh, Uncle James. I, I know he's a loyal listener, listening every week, and him and Big Kev and he's the listener. <laughs> yeah, and, and Timo, they had gone up to Uncle Paul's last weekend, and I know on the way back they were listening to the show. So, you know, just a, a shout out to the boys. That's shout all. Out. Yeah. Um, shout out for me this week, uh, my brother John. Um, so he and his wife gracefully uh, said yes to taking on the chore of watching the coaster for me while I'm in India and Dubai at the end of April for my friend's wedding. So that's taken care of. I don't have to worry about her being boarded somewhere or any of that. Not a nice situation. So I always appreciate it. Um, that's all I got for shout outs this week. I mean, I, I, one of these days I'm going to make the coaster list. It's going to happen. Hey, listen, if you, you can were... fly out of Boston, you come, you spend the night, hang with the Cobster. Well, maybe Joey and her get along, I hope, and we'll go from there. Dude, that's my thing is how Joey would be with her because she's so small. <laughs> Joey just likes to play, man. He's a big baby. Yeah. I mean, she likes to play and get chased and everything else. I've been chased around your yard line, but I feel like at a certain point, she's going to be terrified of him. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's. Don't don't bully my breed, all right, Benny? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to the 2, 5, and 10 trade show edition, trade deadline edition, I mean, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. We'll give an update as to how things are looking in NYC. If everyone's getting into play, I'll give you a look. If uh, we have seen the newly acquired Hempis Lindholm and we'll go from there. And thank you guys as always. And we will catch you guys next week for another action packed episode of two, five and 10. Bye bye. I'm the hottest ram. I told y'all mother, y'all can stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me, come on, get me now. Is you with me now? Then biggie, biggie, bounce. I know you dig the way I sh- my style. Hello, hello. People sing around. The people gather around. The people jump around. Get your freak on. 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 Get your feet on, 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 get your fe